Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to jump into the message um, about faith because uh, we've been kind of over this summer, or at least um, over the last eight weeks, we've been talking about from 1 Corinthians 13 about um, faith, hope, and love. And so we've covered love, we covered hope, and now we're in faith. And last week, Pastor Robert was here. Uh, man, I want to thank Pastor Robert as well. Um, he, 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 he delivers the Word of God in such a great way. Um, he's got a lot of energy, uh, probably more so than me sometimes. And so um, I'm sure that you were blessed by that. But he, he started off last week by framing in some basic principles um, about faith. And one of the things that I, I just want everyone to understand is that faith is really important in the kingdom of God. It is really important in the life of every believer because they go hand in hand. They're connected. They're not separate, but they're connected together. And, and faith for us as believers means we are being kingdom-minded here on this earth. Right? That's hard because we've got so much coming at us. There are so many things that want to pile themselves on us, right? And, and if, we're, if our, our foundation isn't strong, isn't firm, then all of a sudden cracks start to happen. And cracks aren't good. Would you agree? Yeah, cracks aren't good. But see, faith is something that we need, and, and we need to continue to walk in and be kingdom-minded of, of because, get this, faith is actually the currency of heaven, and so if we're operating in faith here on the earth, then we have the currency of heaven working on our behalf. See, to me, that's a, a blessing to know that I have a God in heaven. I have a Savior in heaven that says, you know what, Scott, if you would just use your faith, you use your faith for salvation, but if you would use your faith every day, then you know what you're doing is you're using the currency of heaven. And, and, and we've, got, we've got to be able to understand that. And, and Pastor Robert shared with us the, the word faith is, um, is the word pistis in Greek, right? And it means convinced, confidence, trust. It's being, now I'm going to add this on here. It's being divinely persuaded of something to the point of action. It's being divinely persuaded to the point of action. So a person of faith then fully believes in what is hoped for through what God is saying and what God is revealing to them through his word. See, we use faith when we came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Inside of us, we were convinced that Jesus was the Son of God. And this is the way to the Father. So we used faith, right? Because we took action to make it happen, right? Because of what Christ did. But it's the same principle when we get into our word, when we get into the word of God and we see God's word, we're, we have to be able to look at God's word and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to begin to, to develop in us faith, to believe, well, God said it, so it must be true. See, sometimes uh, we, we call it, it, it's hearing the word within the word. And what basically that means is when you are reading your Bible and you are, 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 are even maybe even hearing someone speak about God's word, then what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to highlight things to you. That's hearing the word within the word. Because you could just hear a word, right? You could walk out of a service or you could walk out. Uh, man, I've had this happen. When I've done my journaling or I have read my Bible and I walked out and thinking, I don't even know what I just read. I don't remember anything, nothing. They spoke to me. What, what is that? But then there are times that the Holy Spirit highlights something. I, I hope you've experienced it. But he highlights something to the point where all of a sudden something becomes alive in you. 
Like you're like, whoa, I've never seen it this way before. I never quite understood it this way before. But this is so new and so different. And, and, I, and I truly believe that this is what God is saying and what God is trying to get across to me. That's hearing the word within the word. But see, when that happens, then what it should do, it should lead us into action. See, what happens is a lot of times we'll get it, but we don't get into the action part of it. And so then it's like it kind of just stops right there. And it, and, it, and it just becomes kind of dormant. Yet God's plan is for it to be dropped in almost like, like um, uh, a seed planted in, and then you know it gets watered and then the plant grows. We'll see what happens if, if, if it gets planted and it, it doesn't have the water, it doesn't have the things that it needs, then you know what? It won't blossom. It won't grow. But see, we have to get to a point where we begin to understand and get the word of God that, that, said, that God's revealing to us and allow it to begin to, to take action to grow in our life, to become steps in our life that actually um, are, 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 are walking in faith. That, that's why it's so important to renew your mind, Okay. That's why it's so important to renew your mind because it reinforces this supernatural strength in your spirit. Because you'll always hear us here at this campus and at our other campuses, you'll always hear us talking about, hey, we got to be in the word. How, how much, are, you, are you reading your Bible? Because it's so important. But see, that's key that we are renewing our mind to God's word so that, you know what? this supernatural strength in our spirit can begin to kind of manifest itself and we can stand on what God's word is actually telling us and promising us until it comes to pass. Because oftentimes we don't stand for it to come to pass, right? We oftentimes give up or say, well, I guess it's, it's not, not really working. But see, God wants his word to come to pass in our life. Just like salvation, he wants it to come to pass. And it will come to pass. I mean, we'll get to go to heaven. But see, we have to understand that, you know what? We've got to be active with God's word in our life. And that's real Christianity. When we are walking in faith, that's real Christianity. Because, you know, if you think about it, Christianity is not adhering to religious rules or regulations. The Bible says it's, it's walking in faith. It's walking by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it won't be up on the board, but it says that we live by faith and not by sight. See, God's so cool because if he didn't want you to live by faith, he would not have put it in the Bible. But because he put it in the Bible, he wants you to live by faith. He wants you to be able to activate faith. He wants you to be able to read his word and let it become alive inside of you. Romans 1.17 says, the righteous shall live by faith. So we recognize that, man, it is so important that faith be something in our lives to the point where, man, we are, are, are fixed in, in, a, in, a, in a sense that God is faithful to his word. So, that's great, Pastor Scott. But one of the things we've got to understand is we've got to be committed to stir up this faith. We've got to be committed to stir up this faith. We've got to be committed to allow the Holy Spirit to help it activate with inside of us. Because when we live by faith, heaven moves. You want heaven to move in your life? Then we have to live by faith. We've got to live by faith. And, and, I, you know, and I'm not sure if you realize this yet or not. You know, in, the, in this world or in this, this, this culture, it's kind of a counterculture. People don't really um, you know, think that that's, that's cool. Or they, sometimes they think that's kind of weird, that you would live by faith. You would do things that might be opposite of what the culture would say crazy example, just throwing it out there that just came to my mind. But you know, it's those times when, like for an example, your checkbook says this, yet you know you've got to give to the kingdom. And God says something to you and says, hey, I want you to give this. And you're like, I don't, what? I'll be down to like 
pennies on the dollar. Yeah, but I want you to do it. So anybody that's actually in the world, right, and, and living by the culture of the society would say, yeah, don't you do that. That's crazy. But see, faith says, okay, because God is asking me to do it, I'm going to step out and do it. And then watching God come back and in return, bless you. Bless you abundantly. And you're like, wow, this stuff really works. Yes. Faith actually does work. But see, our world this is, thinks it's kind of weird, right? I mean, sometimes they look at you and say, man, you're kind of out of touch. Uh, or, uh, man, you, you, know, you only have one oar in the water. Or, or the cheese has slid off your cracker. You, you're just kind of out there. And, and, and I, I don't really kind of get that. But, but see, man, when we read Hebrews 11... It's just full of ordinary people. See, we look at that and, you know, it says on there the, the Hall of Fame or Faith Hall of Fame or whatever, or Heroes of Faith or whatever. But really, they were just ordinary people like you and me. Obviously lived in a different culture, but they were ordinary people. But see, the thing about them is they were persuaded that God was truthful, that they could trust God. They could put it all out there on the line for God. And even though people thought they were crazy, I mean, you know, you look at Noah, he's building a boat. Like, hey, what the heck are you doing building a boat not even near any ocean, any water, right? People thought he was probably pretty crazy, pretty out there, but he went ahead and did it. And see, it might seem foolish and crazy to people at times, but see, these people, these ordinary people who were convinced and persuaded that God, they could trust God, with everything that they had, right? They went ahead and did it. They went ahead and, and took a step further into a, this relationship with God. Because you know what? Faith kind of does determine some of your relationship, how that your relationship's going with God. That's kind of connected too. If I've got a great relationship with God, then you know what? There's going to be times that I'm going to have to just step out in faith no matter what. But man, if I've got a, a kind of a, a wonky, maybe got cracks or holes in my relationship with God, when he asks me or when I even read in the Bible that says, go do this, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. That's so hard. It may, it's just going to be harder. And so think about that as, as far as your relationship is with God, the deeper you walk in faith with him, the greater that relationship is. There's something about it. It adds depth to your relationship with him. You know, and so when we look at, at, at again, Hebrews 11, you got Noah, you got Abraham, you got Moses, you got a, uh, Rahab, you got Gideon, Samson, right? Just to, to name a few. And, and really, I would suggest if, if you're not acquainted with those stories, read them. Read about them. But take it from the perspective they were ordinary people who totally trusted God and did whatever God asked them to do. And here's the deal. I'm convinced of this because I think it's so important that we recognize this whole Hebrews 11 because, you know, I really believe that God is looking for that in people today. He's looking for Hebrews 11 people today. Now, it'll be different for each one of us, whatever that may look like. But he's looking for each of us to be able to say, hey, you know what? In faith, I feel God wants me or is leading me or has put in my heart to do this. So I'm going to go ahead and step out into it. See, that all of a sudden, you're, you're kind of writing the continuation of Hebrews 11. Because, you know, it adds a bunch of other people onto there. Not just those people, but there's a bunch more. And really, I think if you look at it, there's no way you could fill the Bible with all the names of the people that have stepped out in faith. But at this point in our lives today and, and throughout the, the coming, because, you know, Jesus is coming back. He's looking for people that will take God at his word, who will say, okay, if this is what you're saying, then I'm going to judge you faithful, God, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to step out with all of my might to do what it is that you want me to do. But see, what's so great is God gave us these stories for us to glean from, to learn from. I don't know if you've ever been mentored in your life in a sense, 
or you've had someone in your life that would speak to you about, hey, you know, hey, you got a problem? Let me help you with that problem. Let me, let me show you what I did, right? See, we need to take the Bible, and when we read the, the names of these people, we need to look at them as mentors. We really do, because we can look at them as just characters. Yeah, Abraham's a character in a story, or Rahab is, or whatever. But really, the way I think God wants us to approach the Bible is to really approach it to the point where we look at it and go, man, you're a mentor in my life. David, be a mentor in my life. And then you read about David, and you think, wow, how did that guy do that? Well, you'll see. There's enough in there that shows you, man, it's because David was committed. David trusted that God had a plan and a purpose. But see, we got to look at that. And so if you look at it, he, uh, Hebrews 11, you can begin to say, okay, then you know what? I'm looking at these people from the lens that they are mentoring me. What did Abraham do? He did this. Wow. Okay, so something in my life, Lord, what is it that you want to talk to me about? But, but that's how we should look at it. Don't look at it just characters, but, but look at it. And, and here's the great thing too. As New Testament believers, we have an advantage. We have such an advantage because we have the Holy Spirit in our life. We have the Holy Spirit in our life. And with the Holy Spirit, man, the the Holy Spirit's job is to divinely persuade and lead and encourage us to live a a life of action of faith, to live this this life. But see, sometimes we kind of keep the Holy Spirit on a shelf and, and, and he'll talk, but we won't listen. But see, we have such an advantage that, you know what, when, when we even struggle with our faith, man, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Hey, Holy Spirit, will you help me with this area right now that I'm really struggling with? Because part of his job is to encourage you, to be a cheerleader, to instruct you, to say, hey, I want you, oh, look, you could do this. I, I'm right there with you. But see, that, that's, that's, that's something we have to, to kind of grow in and, and understand. But all of this is about, you know, God wanting um, his story to be fulfilled in our life. History, get it? His story. Wow. Glad you're back, Pastor Scott. Anyways, um, but, but, but he, he wants his story written in your life. But see, we've got to allow him to write that. Because sometimes we get kind of fickle or stubborn or like, no. I'm there at times, right? But he's like, no, I, man, let me write my story in your life. So the title of our message today is The Partnership of Faith. The Partnership of Faith. And we're going to read Hebrews 11, but let me pray real quick, okay? Uh, Holy Spirit, help us to understand this partnership of faith that you want for us. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And just so you know, we're not going through the whole chapter. Praise the Lord, right? Because we'd be here forever. But Hebrews chapter 1 and and 2 and 3, we're just going to read because it's going to kind of give us some context about this kind of partnership with faith. And actually, they'll they'll call them elders, but uh, the heroes of faith, the people that we're talking about are... are, um, 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 mentors, right? If we look at it from that perspective. It says this. It says, now faith, okay, so that's them being divinely persuaded to the point of action, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, understand, this is describing a behavior of faith, okay? So substance is the Greek word uh, hypostasis, which is a compound word, okay? Now, hippo means uh, under, alongside, and stasis means to stand. So when we put these two together, we get that which stands under or stands by or supports. So it's like having the Holy Spirit, who is a partner with us, right, persuade us when we, that's key, when we establish God's word into our hearts, to the point that he can help us give birth to the confidence and the assurance that God is telling the truth. But see, if we don't put the word in, he can't do that. You you might get a smidgen. You might get 5% of what the Holy Spirit can do for you when it comes to God's word. 
But see, if we put it into our heart, again, we go back to that meditating on God's word. But if we begin to put it in our heart, then all of a sudden that opens up to 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60. You know, you get the point. There's such a great increase of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life with God's word in your heart. There's just this increase that happens. And what happens is when, when, it, when, when there's this increase, it builds this eternal fortitude to activate our faith and willfully submit to whatever his leadership is, whatever God's asking us to do. But see, if we don't allow God's word to be inside of there, then, you know, it's really hard for us to submit. It's really hard for us to, to commit to what God says. Because there's a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of understanding. And so we have this opportunity then to take what God, God's word is, what God says to us, and allow the Holy Spirit to partner with us in order to bring it to life in us so then that way we can begin to activate it. But it's so important that we get it. But that's what the heroes of faith did. They took what God said. They allowed it to get in there. And then, you know what? They began to act upon it. They allowed the promise to take root in their hearts. And then, here's the key, they didn't back off of it. When God shares something with you, I just want to encourage you, don't back off of it. Don't, 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 don't back off of it. Keep it in the forefront, right? The Bible talks about, you know, eyelids, writing it on the eyelids. Whatever you got to do, if you got to write it on an index card and put it on your mirror at your home, put it, put it, put it on your steering wheel, wherever that is, don't, keep your, don't take your eyes off of it. Hold on to what God's promised. Hebrews uh, number, verse 2, 11, 2 says, for by it, that's faith, right? So it's talking about them. They had, they had this faith. For by faith, they were divinely persuaded, the elders or the heroes of faith. In, in Hebrews 11, and really throughout the whole entire Bible, it says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. So their good testimony came as a result of their faith in God. Now, remember, it wasn't the faith that, yeah, God's out there, but it was this pistis faith, right? They were convinced, they were persuaded to the point of action, they put their faith and works together. That's important, right? They put their faith and works together and moved on it. They, they were in partnership with God. And they're, listen to this, their, 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 their good testimony wasn't based on their achievements because usually that's how we gauge everything. It's based on the achievement of what you accomplished. But their good, their good testimony happened because they were resolute in their faith. Because if you read in that chapter, there are those who never even saw the promise. Right? Because see, we always, that's the achievement. If you saw the promise, then man, you must have had faith. You must have been awesome. But there are those who kept faith even though they never saw the promise. Right? You guys know my, my history that, man, you know, I've got diabetes and I've got some you know, physical things that I'm working through. I pray, I'm asking God in faith to heal my body, to restore it, to restore all the things that need to happen. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not backing off of it because I could. But, but see, God, God promises healing, right? And sometimes we don't get healing. I might pass away at some point and maybe it, it didn't happen. But you know what? That's not going to change my attitude about God's faithfulness and God's word. I'm just trying to give you kind of a picture of that. So don't, don't back off of it at all. And that's what, how their good testimony came to, came to be. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing with it? How, how are you um, putting action to your faith by living what God's word says in, the, in, in his book? How are you doing with it? Now, just don't answer, okay? Because, you know, that could be telling for everybody, right? But, but it's something just kind of to chew on, okay? Something to think about. How am I doing putting action to the, the, the word of God 
in my life? Am I actually doing something? Right? And, and hear me when, when, when I say this too, because I'm a firm believer in this. Even if it's small steps, that's a awesome to God. It doesn't have to be these big, giant, ah, oh, you know, like you're stretching it, and man, it's taking every ounce. Sometimes it's just a matter of, huh, you want me to give a dollar today? Praise God, I'm going to give a dollar. That's a small step, right? And so sometimes don't get caught up in the bigness of what you feel like, I got to do this for the accomplishment. No, just do sometimes step in faith even in the small things, whatever that, whatever that may look like. Hopefully that blessed somebody. But see, sometimes what happens is, you know, we, we get caught, and, and hopefully I can articulate this well, um, but sometimes we get caught in, in thinking that um, we, we might kind of operate in a counterfeit faith. Now, hear me when I say this. What I mean by that is sometimes we, we just kind of say the lingo, the Christianese, right, in order to kind of save face in front of people. Oh, yeah, I, I'm trusting God, believe in God. But then our actions... And our words don't even follow suit to that. But see, in front of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're like, oh, well, I don't want them to see that I'm not in, you know, full of faith or whatever. But see, we want, God wants faith that's real and authentic. And so I, I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, just begin to, if you, you find yourself on that side of it, because I know there are times that maybe I've even done that. You know, so that, you know, because when you put things together, don't think that God doesn't like shine the light on me sometimes, because he does. And I'm like, ouch, that hurts. But he's like, yeah, but you needed it. Yeah, but, come on, right? But, but, but there are times where, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm believing God for that. But then I'll, I'll, I'll end up saying and doing stuff that's not like, not bad, but just not the faith that I'm trying to portray or, or, or standing on. Maybe that's a better word. Not that I'm trying to portray it, but you know what I mean that I'm standing on. And so that's just a little bit of a, a, a kind of a shift or, or, or even maybe for me personally, a, 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 a thing that God wants to work on me about. I'm so thankful that he's gracious in working on me. Aren't you? I mean, he works on everyone. But I'm, I'm so gracious because, man, I think sometimes, even as a dad, I, you know, just take, I wish I had a laser bolt or something and just, you know, want to, Sorry, my kids are there. They're like, oh my gosh, dad. What has sabbatical done to you? Um, but, but see, but God, God, God graciously doesn't do that. He's like, hey, come on. Let's, let's keep going. Let's keep moving in this direction. Let me, let me give you, um, um, hey, hey, here's one more thing about that. If you're struggling with your faith, don't feel bad about telling somebody. Yeah, you know what? I just feel like I'm at rock bottom, that I, that I really can't share with anybody about what I'm struggling with. Okay, that is a lie from the pit of hell, okay? God wants us to be able to be open enough to say, hey, you know what? I need a brother or a sister to come alongside of me and pray with me. Their faith might be greater than mine right now. And man, I need encouragement. I need to learn how to, how to grow my faith. So don't be ashamed at wherever you're at. But see, that's, that's the body of Christ. We're supposed to be edifying each other, building each other up to the point where it's like, man, I got you. I got your back. Yeah, I know that's a struggle. That's a, been a struggle for me. But man, I, I'm a little farther along, I think. And so, yeah, I'll join and pray for you and help you. And if you want to get together and talk about God's word, yeah, let's go do that. Let's get coffee. Let's go, go, go to Burger King or wherever. I don't care. You know what I mean? But, but, but it's understanding that, you know what, sometimes don't feel like you've got to have it all together. Right? Like, I've got this perfect image, and I don't want the bubble to break. <laughs> burst the bubble. Just burst it. Let, it. let it just pour out all over the place. Because, see, God uses imperfect people. Because even in the heroes of faith, they were ordinary people, and they were imperfect. They all were imperfect. Praise God, that makes me so happy because I'm imperfect. My wife can attest. 
Don't shout amen, all right? But my wife can attest. I, so, for example, okay, I don't even know. This is probably just random. Anyway, so we're, we're driving here to church today, and, um, you know, so we've got five kids, and four of them are basically out of the house going to college or in Kenya or, or, or um, going up to Concord to serve or whatever, so we've got one more left. And, and, and he's going into to seventh grade. And so I, my wife said something, and it was like, man, if, if he wasn't around, then it would just be me and you. And I'm like, that's great, isn't it? Awesome. She's like, eh, I don't know about that. I'm like, ouch, man. We're on our way to church. Come on, man. Build, build a brother up. Anyways. So just a little side note of, of the Jeffersons. Anyways. All right. Yeah, we're, we're a documentary. Anyways, um, Hebrews chapter 11, 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds, that means ages or periods through history, were framed, set in order, or arranged by the word of God. Which I love that because whenever I read that, I think about what, what Pastor Scott, what, what are, what's framing your world? Right? What, what is framing your world? Is it, this is the worlds, right? Time periods throughout history, the ages, were set in order and arranged by the word of God. Am I framing my world by the word of God? That's just a side note, okay? That's a bonus, you know, that's in the appendix or whatever. All right, so it says, by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So let me paraphrase two and three together. It says, by faith, we can see that the elders listed below, that's the rest of the thing, having been persuaded by the Holy Spirit that God was telling the truth, stood strong in their partnership of faith, setting them apart as heroes of faith. Through them, we can also see how their willingness to remain in a partnership of faith in spite of the impossibility of their circumstances. Have you ever been there before? I have, amen, shout out, woo, okay? In spite of the impossibility of their circumstances, allowed God to literally change their world to the point that we can still see the results today. You know, and, and understand this, those people were on roller coaster rides. Have you ever felt like you're on a roller coaster ride in life? Sometimes you're up, Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're in the middle. You know, sometimes you feel like you're stuck. You ever been stuck on a roller coaster before? That's crazy. Because you're like, when's this going to get going? Because I don't want to stay up here all day. But sometimes in life, we feel like, man, man, we're kind of stuck on that incline. And we're kind of like, what? Come on, God. Is it just me? Hurry up. But see, they had these kind of ups and downs and all of these intense challenges and all these things, these tests of endurance, all of this stuff, man. They had to face all of these things, yet they did not give up on what God had said to them. No matter what. And really, is that okay in our Christian culture? To stand in faith for something, yet you hadn't received it yet. You might be praying for someone to get saved, yet they haven't been saved yet. But that doesn't mean you give up, right? You keep, you keep, you keep praying. But see, a lot of times, Christianese people, in their, in their goodness, you know, oh, bless their heart, honey, or whatever, they, they at times say, well, then you must not have enough faith. If you haven't received it yet, you must not have enough faith. You ever run across that before? But you know what? Here, here's the deal about that. That could be part of the problem. But also it could be just the fact that, you know what? God's not ready to give it to you yet. I, I think God has a better picture of your life than you have a better picture of, of, of it. And he says, you know what? It's not time yet. It's not this yet. But, I, but in that process, will you continue to stand firm on my word Stand firm on what I promised so that it will come. Right? And if it doesn't come, that's, up, that's God. Right? He's just asking you to do your part. He, he does all the rest. Hard to believe, right? But, but see, that, that's, that's, that's part of the understanding of who God is. 
I've got to be able to turn all of that over to him. But see, we struggle with that. We're human, right? So we struggle in that standing firm part because, you know, sometimes we, we live in this or we have this microwave mentality where we want it right now. And so what happens is, you know what, we, we, we buy the ticket that, that the enemy's offering on the struggle bus. Like we snatch it right away. And we say, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I, I got to buy that because I'm struggling. Ah. But again, that's why we have people, the body of Christ, to come together, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, right? Now, we're going to shift gears just slightly and go to Luke chapter 18. And I just want to walk us through this kind of example about a faith struggle that... that um, that Jesus kind of um, gives to us um, because he anticipates that we'll have a struggle. And he kind of gives us this made-for-TV parable. Um, Kind of, you know, I'll date myself a little bit, but Judge Wapner or Judge Judy type of thing or whatever, um, involving a widow, a widowed woman, and an unjust judge, okay? And it's to show us three unchangeable truths about our partnering with God in faith. And so we pick up on uh, verse number one in, in Luke 18. And here's Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, then he spoke a parable to them. It says that man always ought to pray. Okay? So that means we need to begin to position ourselves close to God in order to know his heart, in order to share our heart with him. Right? And it's not just, you know, the, the token prayer, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, um, you know, or bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me because you already ate something, and now you got to, you know, pray something. It's, it's not those token prayers, but it's true actual getting in there and being with God. That's what he's talking about. And, and again, it says, then he spoke a parable to them, men, uh, that men always ought to pray. And then he says, and not lose heart. So it's possible he understands that we could struggle by losing heart. He understands that. But see, notice how he said pray. And then when we pray, then you know what? We keep praying and we keep in there. Then you know what? We're not going to lose heart because we're convinced because the Holy Spirit's working in us. It'll happen. So losing heart describes a person who is so weighed down by the problem, they give up. They kind of wave the white flag and say, man, I'm done. I I just can't do this anymore. Um, Have you ever been there before? Yeah. Or they might take on like, you know, kind of this victim's mentality. God must be against me because nothing ever works out for me. Nothing ever seems to work. God's got to be against me. Or even people are against me. That's, that's kind of that victim mentality, which then, you know, all really affects them greatly and affects those around them as well, okay? But here the point, the point that Jesus is teaching is to not let yourself get discouraged or distracted in your faith, in your partnership with faith. So he tells the disciples, now we're getting into the story, the made-for-TV thing, Okay. It would be one of those Lifetime movies, maybe, or whatever, right? Because they got some kind of cheesy, weird ones. Hallmark, okay, but Lifetime, I don't know, sometimes. (laughs) That was bonus. Anyways, okay, Luke chapter 18, then we're going into verse 2 through 7. It says, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, So, oh, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest uh, by her continual coming she weary me. That's so encouraging. Verse 6, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? though he bears long with them. Now, I got to understand that this is a contrasting parable, okay? But embedded in in it is a parable about persistent faith. But, and that persistent faith is living by faith no matter what. 
Okay? But it leads us to our first truth. Number one, God is not unjust nor uncaring. God is not unjust nor uncaring. Now remember, this is a contrasting parable. So what it's trying to do is say the judge is this way, God is this way. Okay? Because you could read that and kind of go, what? Why, why, why would they bring? Why, why is Jesus even t- saying that? But he's trying to get the disciples and get us to understand the judge is this way, but God is that way. Okay? That, that's important for us. Now, I'm going to read this in the message version. We read it in the New King James Version, so it's kind of a change. But this is what uh, verse 6 and 7 says. It says, then the master said, the judge, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, do you hear what the judge corrupt as he is, is saying. So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his, cho- for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? Okay, now here, here, here's where I'm going to kind of go with this. Many people approach God as being the unjust judge. That he's very, sometimes in, in prayer, that he's very insensitive, He's very unconcerned or disconnected with you. Well, that's not true. Okay? But, but sometimes we take that approach. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray to God, and I, who knows if he'll answer. Who knows if he even really loves me. I mean, I hear about it, but who knows, right? And so what they do then is they, they posture their faith in prayer, in their prayer life, kind of to fit that description that they formulated in their head. And when that happens, it's really easy to faint when you are standing in faith for something or believing God for something. You faint because you feel like God, God's unjust. He's uncaring. Why, why, why? All these other things that are going on in the world, why would he care about me and what I just prayed? Because he loves you so deeply, so unimaginably deep, this depth of love that he has for you, right? And here's the thing about God, too. God's not unjust or corrupt in his character. God is not inclined to do wrong according to the standard of his word. He gave us his word for a reason, right? His word reveals his character. And if his word is there and given to us, that means that God will back it up because that's his character. So this unjust judge and God are opposite side of the spectrum. So we don't have to pressure or badger God, right? Until we kind of grind him down like what happened with the judge. Because you remember, he said, man, she just keeps showing up and she's just getting on my nerves and I just can't handle this anymore, so I'm going to go ahead and just take care of it, right? God doesn't see it that way. God sees it as though, yeah, keep talking to me. Keep the conversation flowing. I mean, really, have you ever gotten tired talking to people? Like, you're just like checked out. They're talking to you and you're checked out. And you're just like, oh my gosh, geez, Okay. I remember in high school, there was one kid, oh my gosh, this guy talked all the time. And so everybody, you could see everybody kind of just dodging around, you know, making sure that they weren't, because they didn't want to get caught. And it's just like, dude, stop talking, bro. See, God's not that way. God, God's just all about, hey, let's have some conversation. And I might say the same things over and over and over again, but God's never like, bro. Be quiet. He's all, keep telling me, Scott. Keep the communication going. Come on, let's go. But see, we, we sometimes limit that because we think, yeah, he's distant. He's far off. He's not really caring. But man, he, he's all about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's all about you. He's all about you. I mean, that, that, that to me is amazing. But he's willing and ready to answer our faith and our prayers. He really is. Because he's, guess what? On your side. He's like nationwide, right? <laughs> nationwide is on your side. So you can put, God is on your side. Yeah, anyways. That's why I was never in choir. All right. 
This is, this is what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says in 16. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly. Right? What I love about God is we never have to fear that we are too honest or too outspoken when we bear our hearts to him. When we, we, when we come to him and request help. I mean, just look at, look, at, look, at, look at David. There was time, man, I'd read that and go, ooh, David, man, I don't think I would have said that, bro. But see, God, God, God's so gracious. I mean, God's not going to rebuke you. But what he's going to do is, you know what? He might correct your thinking. He might say, hey, 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 look at that scripture. Or come to a church on Sunday, and all of a sudden, I might say something. Wow, you know, like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what God's been talking to me about, and I need to make a change, right? But he, 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 he wants to, to correct our wrong thinking and our wrong believing. But his heart is for us to come and speak freely to him. It says, therefore, come boldly, uh, right, without hindrance to the throne of grace that you may take mercy and find grace in, a time, in, in time of need. So God cares enough. I, I, God cares enough to invite you to where he's at. Just think about that. God cares enough for you to invite you to come to where he's at. Because you don't invite people over your house that you don't care about or don't like or don't, you know, you don't, right? I'm not inviting that guy over. Or I'm not inviting that person over. I'm not going to welcome them in. But see, God's like, no, no, I want you to come where I'm at. And that might be, you know, in your car while you're driving to work and, and, and worshiping and, and praying. That might be in your home, in your bedroom, or in your office, or your quiet place, or, or, or whatever that is. But he says, man, I, I just come to where I, I, I'll, I'll meet you, right? But he, but he invites you. In. So, uh, this, this, the, so the truth of the scripture is God is willing and ready to simply give you what you need, but your heart is going to have to be open to let the Holy Spirit persuade you to develop the faith to receive it. That's a key. You have to continue to stay open and allow the Holy Spirit, right? Allow the Holy Spirit to develop this in you to the point where you get to be able to see it. Okay, so God is not unjust nor uncaring. Number two, God responds to our prayers swiftly. Now, I, you, you read that and sometimes you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, Pastor Scott. That's not a true statement, right? Because, you know, we'll pray and we're like, come on. And it ain't happening right away. And you're like, Pastor Scott, I don't know about that statement. But when you look at scripture, God sees it in a different way. Okay, and we'll, and we'll read it. Luke chapter uh, 18, verse 8. This is again in the message version, first part of it. It says, I assure you, again, this is message, right? But it says, I assure you, he will. He will not drag his feet. God's not one who drags his feet, okay? The Passion Translation reads it this way. God will give swift justice, justice to those who don't give up. So that means we could give up, right? But it says, no, no, he, he's going to make sure that if you continue on and you don't give up and you keep believing that God is faithful to his promise, then he'll make sure that, that, that swift justice comes. It might not be answered in the way that you want it to be answered. Just throwing that in. But he's going to answer. So we have to operate in faith and not let go of his promises. And see, that's the great thing about this story, because the widow, by her actions, refused to take no. And then she received what she knew was rightfully hers. Now, here, here's, here's a great thing about this story I was thinking about, is the very fact that she had no lawyer to go before the judge to plead her case. Yet, she knew what her rights were. Now, take this into the New Testament. We as believers, we have a lawyer. We have an advocate. His name's Jesus. And Jesus takes that before the Father. 
and says, hey, this is what, what they're praying for. To me, that just blows me away. This, but see, then part of that is we need to know what has been promised to us, what is rightfully ours because of what Christ did, right? We need to know that. And when we take what we know that is ours, rightfully ours because of what Jesus did for us as a son and daughter of the Most High God, right? Then we put it out there. Jesus as the mediator comes, talks to God. And, and, and you know, you might feel like, man, I, but I'm kind of like a, just a broken person and, and really, you know, uh, I, I got issues. But see, God looks and he sees Jesus over you. And he's like, yeah, I can, I, can, I can back that up. I can answer that prayer because of what Christ did. Not because we're special, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Second Peter says this, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. This is, again, in the Passion Translation. It says, this means that, contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to redemption. Now, I know that this passage is talking about the Lord's promised return, but its principle is consistent with the whole of Scripture because like any good father, God hears and responds to his children. He wants to give you good things. You know that passage in Matthew chapter 7. He says, man, we know if you ask for a piece of bread, is he going to give you a rock? You know, or, you know, I can't remember what the other thing is, but is he going to give you a snake? Right? He, he wants you to give you your heart's desire. Whatever, what, what are the things you're asking? But see, the thing is, he also realizes that there are other things to consider. And will only do what's best for you when it's best for you right? That's hard to chew on, if we're honest. Because we feel like what we're praying is best for us right now. <laughs> you better show up. You better help me. You better whatever. And he's like, yeah, but I got a different plan in this. And you'll see me. And, and here's a couple of scriptures that I, I just totally love that kind of helps prove that point of number two and stuff. And, and, and again, in, a, in your journey, you've got to grapple with all this, Okay. But in Isaiah 65, 24, it says this. This is God talking, not Pastor Scott. It says, I will answer them before they even call to me. So he already knows what needs you have, right? We, we know about that in the Bible. It says, while they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. What? How do, how do you reconcile that? But if I believe Scripture, that means the moment that I'm coming to him and I'm starting to pray... He's already answering my prayer, even if it doesn't look like what I want or if it's going to take a long time. But see, I have to have faith to believe that God is faithful to his word, faithful to his truth. See, that's what he wants to build in us. That's what he wants to grow in us. That's what he wants to develop in us. And it's not easy. Okay? Because I don't want to make it oh, yeah, it's just snap your fingers and boom, there it is. No, it, it takes discipline. It takes practice. It takes all these things. First John chapter 5, verse 14, 15 says, since we have this confidence, right, our faith, we can also have great boldness before him for if we present any request, listen to this, agreeable to his will. Well, what is his will? His Bible, the word of God, my Bible. That's his will. God, I need to know your will. Get in the word. If we agreeable to his will, he will what? Hear us. That's a promise. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. <laughs> I love that word, whatever. That doesn't mean I have to, it's not limited. Right? See, I remember as a kid growing up, man, Nikes weren't that big of a deal yet. The shoes, right? But I remember as a kid, man, I wanted Nikes. Because I wanted to be like, you know, my, my other, uh, my friends. Because they had Nikes. But you know what? I knew that all, my, all my, my parents had financially 
was to buy me these shoes called cheetahs. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you know, they were just kind of this really off, weird brand. But I knew that, that that's, that's where it was at. And so it was like, okay, well, man, there, there was a limit to how I could ask my parents for what I needed. But see, with God, there is no limit. He said, whatever. Whatever it is that you ask for. Yeah, okay, so let me take it another step further. That doesn't mean, you know, you jump out and say, Lord, I want a Ferrari, right? For free, right? That doesn't mean that. But when it comes to, like, your needs, hey, I can go before the Father and say, Father, man, I, I have a need right now. And you said whatever it is that I come that's in agreement with your word, that you would do that. It says, whatever we ask, we also know that we have obtained the request we ask of him. Because if you jump back to Isaiah 55, he says, man, I'm already moving. The moment you ask, I'm already moving. See, that's where you begin to grow your faith, to partner with it. Because you're like, hey, God promised. He's already moving. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's coming, but he's moving. All right, let's get to the third point. Jesus kind of wraps up the story, and I got to wrap up the story. Um, but with this one final truth. Number three, we, stand, we must stand in faith no matter what. We must stand in faith no matter what. Uh, the back part of Luke 18, uh, verse 8, says, But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? So in other words, do we remain steadfast in our partnership of faith because we see and experience God's promises right away? Do we do it that way? Or, so is it based solely on that? God shows up, boom, all right, man, then man, I'm, I'm in faith. I'm, I'm, man, this is great. Or are we ones who have been divinely persuaded by the Holy Spirit that God's word is truth, that God does not go back on his word, and we choose to stand by that. That's what God's looking for. Not just that you, you're moved by an immediate request. That's great. But he's also looking for depth in you. Right? Because a lot of times we don't, we don't look for depth. We just kind of like, yeah, we're doing it. But there's no depth. See, depth is when, you know what? I'm going to stand no matter how long it takes me to stand to keep believing and trusting God and all that he's promised. See, you can even just take it to the fact of salvation, right? The world is increasingly getting worse and worse and worse. But are you going to continue to stand on your faith? Right, because even, 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 even Jesus says, like even in this, this scripture right here, he says, when I come back, will I find people of faith? Bible talks about, man, there will be people who, are, who, who love Jesus, but you know what? They are so far gone in the last days that they just kind of went wonky, and they're way off. But see, what, what we have to do is develop a depth in us that no matter what comes our way in this culture in the, in the coming years, I don't know when Jesus is returning, but it seems like it's getting closer. Do we have what it takes to stand, even for salvation, even for the name of Jesus to be preached out of our mouths? That takes depth because we could be influenced or fearful. But see, it takes depth of faith and say, no, no one can, can change me from this. No one can push me to this side or that side. I am absolutely steadfast, sunk in that, that Jesus is Lord. I mean, we got it easy. We don't get dragged out of our houses and put a gun to our head and, and get shot because of our faith in Jesus. China, man, they, gotta have, they, they have underground churches and have one piece of scripture that they live off of. Here, man, we, we are so lucky. And maybe even so, like, just, I don't know what the word would be, but just have so much opportunity to stand for our faith, to grow in our faith.
Yet, sometimes the people with just one scripture or one piece of Bible paper from the Bible have so much more depth of faith than we do because our life depends upon it. See, we've got to get to a point where our life depends upon faith, depends upon our faith in Christ and Christ alone, right? But see, that's going to take take some work. That's That's going to take us some work. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9 says, if you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. That's in the message version. I like that. If you don't take a stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. So to live in partnership of faith, we have to trust in what God said because he said it. That's really simple. That's probably the gist of the message. We believe what God says. We trust what he said because he said it, right? And because he said it, we have to decide to stand in faith no matter how long it takes. Like I said, if you read Hebrews 11, they will say, these people stood in faith even though they didn't receive their promise. Yet, they wound up in the Bible. So don't, don't lose heart. Don't faint. Don't say, since I, I haven't gotten this yet, I'm going to give up. Don't, no, 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 no. Go back to Hebrews 11 and read that and be encouraged and go, oh my gosh, here's a mentor who, who I'm reading from and trying to grab from and a man who didn't even receive the promise, but yet they stood in faith all the way through. And when they got to heaven, they, man, maybe they asked God, hey, well, why didn't I see the promise? And then God told them, I'm like, oh, that per- makes perfect sense. Or it won't even matter. You ever thought about that? We get up to heaven, man, none of this stuff matters. Right? We, we're, getting, we're carrying it, whatever. But he's like, man, it doesn't even matter anymore. I'm in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't even, doesn't even matter. But we must stand no matter how long it takes. Because of this, we know that our Father is not an unjust judge. Therefore, we will not let Satan deceive us about the willingness, to answer, the willingness of God to answer our prayer. Because sometimes the enemy will come and say, see, he don't care. Don't buy the ticket, right? So I want to encourage you, just like Jesus, right, to grow in your faith and petition God and not doubt his willingness to back his word in your life. And just stand. And like I said, okay, hear me, church. If you start to wobble in your faith, Look around you. You got people that'll say, I'll I'll pray with you. I'll encourage you. I'll stand with you. I'll I'll be all that that, that you need me to be. Okay? And if you go, well, man, I don't know about any of these people, then call me. I'm not as scary as I look. Call me and say, hey, Pastor Scott, would you pray for me about this? I'm, I'm a little down. I'm a little discouraged. I'm a little whatever that is. Yes, I will. Yes, I will try to encourage you to the best of my ability. Yes, I will meet with you if you need to meet. Whatever that looks like. But don't feel like I got to bear this on my own. That's just another ploy of the enemy because he wants you to feel isolated and alone but you're not. If you're in the body of Christ, you should never feel isolated or alone. In fact, you should run. (laughs) That's why it's so important to gather every Sunday, right? To just be encouraged and loved on and and all that. So I'm going to wrap this up. Let me pray real quick. But I hope you get the intent of what we were trying to get across today. That you know what? It's because God said it, therefore I believe it. And, and, and as simple as that, and then I'm just going to stand on that and believe. So, Father, I thank you so much for the Holy Spirit's presence. I thank you that uh, for each one of us, Holy Spirit, you speak our language. You know how to reveal the, the deep things of God to us through the message that I just spoke. And so I ask that you will do that with each one of us, me included, Lord. 
that there would be a transformation that would take place in each one of us to the point where we're able to begin to activate a faith that truly trusts and relies on your word and your promises. And I thank you for continuing to do a work within our lives. And so today as we leave, Lord, I, I just declare blessing over each and every person here um, that, that is represented in a family. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that your hand is, um, is, is really active and that you, Holy Spirit, would go into the, the, the deep places of our life that maybe there are, are cracks in our foundation. Maybe there are holes um, in that foundation that need to be filled. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and fill them right now with your love, with your grace, and with your mercy. That they would know that yeah, you loved them, you were on their side, you were on their team, and that no weapon formed against them shall prosper because of who you are. And so I thank you that, that as we walk out, we will experience the love of God Throughout this week, I thank you that they'll experience that love and they'll just experience you, Jesus. That's my prayer for them, that they would experience Jesus at a different level this week. And so bless each, each, each person here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.